0: Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays.
1: It's been a weekend of great individual performances, late winners and records being broken as Jose Mourinho makes it 100 Barclays Premier League wins. 100
2: matches and victories and uh, one more fantastic thing
3: for my career but more important than anything is the three points today.
1: Free scoring Manchester City break the 100 goal barrier.
3: To score 103 goals in this moment, I think that reflects what the team wants. I suppose that in the future we can continue the same way.
1: And life is 100 times better for Norwich City as a late winner eases the pressure at Carrow Road. Since
4: the turn of the year, the performances have been good and we haven't quite got the results that we deserve, but Saturday, we were deserved winners and hopefully that gives us something to build on now.
1: We speak exclusively to Norwich captain Russell Martin about that crucial victory over Hull. Former Chelsea winger Pat Nevin tells us why the Mourinho factor could bring the title back to the bridge. We take a special look at what makes women want to take up refereeing at all levels of the game. Plus, we hear from Tim Sherwood, Pepe Mel and Johan Cabai. Hello and welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Jackie Oatley and joining me to look back at another busy weekend of action is the former Everton and Norwich defender, Matt Jackson. Well, Matt, another weekend full of goals. We had 32 of them this weekend and some fine individual performances. Who would you pick out out of the likes of Adebayor, Eto'o, Kazola, and Kabay? I think I'd have to
0: go for Samuel Eto'o. I think he's been a useful addition to Chelsea, but this really proved and underlined his quality. I think it will give him a big boost, personally, for the rest of the season. But in a game of such magnitude, to get those goals is an absolutely fantastic achievement.
1: Well, throughout the season, we're looking for the standout moments of sportsmanship and spirit in the game through our hashtag YouAreFootball campaign. Can you think of any particularly that stand out for you this weekend?
0: A couple of uh, manager-related incidents. I thought the reception that the Stoke fans gave to Tony Pulis was well-deserved and a touch of class from them appreciating his efforts in recent times. And I really like Pepe Mel's uh, reaction as he went on to the pitch at the end of the West Brom-Everton game. I thought he looked genuinely excited to be a part of the Barclays Premier League and and obviously his own fans are wishing him a great future.
1: More on that to come. More also on Crystal Palace's fight for survival a little bit later. But we're going to start at Stamford Bridge, as you might expect, where on Sunday Chelsea piled yet more agony on Manchester United, as well as their manager David Moyes, when they cruised to a 3-1 win. Thanks to that Samuel Eto'o hat-trick, did you think 3-1 was a fair reflection of the game?
0: It was. I just think Chelsea looked like they had a confidence to them. Manchester United, which you don't see very often, look like a team expecting to get beaten. They were beaten convincingly, essentially by half-time, and it was a comfortable victory for Chelsea. I was actually surprised in the end that, uh, and I'm sure Jose Mourinho will be slightly disappointed, that United managed to score.
1: Well, the defeat leaves United 14 points off the top, so is that too big a gap to close? Here are the thoughts of both managers. David Moyes in a moment, but first of all, Jose Mourinho. The
2: reality is that 14 points is a lot, and it's not just 14 to one team. But 14 to 1, 13 to another one, 12 to another one will be difficult. I think they will go all the way. I think they will try, obviously, to finish top four, which I think they can. But to be champion, they need three teams to lose a lot of matches in this last part of the season. It's quite difficult. We'll keep going. We showed a lot of good things today. We have to try and improve. That's what we're doing. There's a progress which we have to make. We have to improve all round. And uh, uh, myself and the club will try and do that.
1: To discuss Sunday's match in more detail now, as well as Chelsea's title aspirations, I'm pleased to say we're joined on the line now by the former Blues winger, Pat Nevin. Thanks for joining us, Pat.
2: Nice to be here.
1: So, is Mourinho right? Are United out of it now?
2: If you're talking about winning the championship, yeah. I, I, there is no way that I can see that United will catch all the teams ahead of them. Specifically Arsenal and Manchester City and Chelsea. It's just too big a gap with too many teams. One team might fall to bits and they might be able to catch up. But all three... No, that's just so far-fetched. And on top of that, let's be absolutely honest about it, United aren't as strong as they have been in the past, so I don't see them putting that sort of run together. Even though, and a few Manchester United fans will tell you this, before they played against Chelsea, was it five out of six wins in the Premier League before that? So, you know, they can put a run together, but I can't see everyone else falling apart.
1: So how likely are Chelsea to win it, specifically after that game?
2: Um, Slowly but surely, they keep rising and my expectations keep rising for them because I've I've watched Manchester City, I've stood by City all season. From the start, I looked at all the players that are available and all the squads and just thought, Man City are the strongest squad by some distance. And I've not really moved on it, but I'm beginning to be nudged a little bit by Chelsea at the moment, purely because of the Mourinho factor. His organisation, the structure of the teams that he puts together, he knows how to go and win certain games or get something out of certain games. Now, the two most important ones for me so far this season have been the Manchester United game away from home for Chelsea and also the Arsenal game away from home. Because the team that he set out and the system that he set out and both of those teams, to get the draw, got the draw. Both of them nil-nils. He knows how to get the hard results, the ones that he knows he can't go and win. And that makes me think, well, wait a minute there might not be that many silly points dropped. And if you look at December and January, there's very, very few dropped by Chelsea.
0: And Pat, the quality that Chelsea have, you look at United and I absolutely agree that they can't win this title, but could they be looking at a period of longer-term decline, do you think? Because not finishing, for example, in the top four would obviously create a little bit of havoc for them. And do you think they could get into a place where, like a Liverpool, they, they kind of go out of the limelight for 10 years or so?
2: I think that's a big, big fear. Now, people think that that's impossible, so younger people do... Well, older people know that that's not the case. Manchester United have went through their tough times. A few times they've gone through these very difficult periods. Even since they were European champions back in the 60s, they've gone through really awful times. I don't think it will happen this time, oddly enough. And I'll tell you the reason, and there's a couple of reasons for it. N- number one, financially, they're fairly well off. I and mean, I'm not saying they're as well off as, say, City or Chelsea, etc., but... You look at the money they can generate, obviously from the television money, is the main thing, but also from sponsorship around the world. Yes, they can get the money in to make sure they have a good team. And number two, and this is the one that might surprise a few of my United fans, they've got a fantastic manager. And people usually stop when I say that. But David Moyes has got a team just now that, for me, is not his team. And I think a lot of people realise he hasn't put that team together. You can't really judge him on that team that is... To all intents and purposes, an ageing team that once was fantastic but is now definitely seeing better days. And you and I know, Matt, that it goes over the edge of the cliff quite quickly. You know, if you're world-class, suddenly within a year or two, you're when the legs start to go, there's a big, big drop in quality. And it's very noticeable at United. I think David Moyes, if given time, and I think he will be given time, he'll have that club back up and will not allow it to fall all the way down the way Liverpool did. Although Liverpool didn't fall down to the basement. But I don't think that's going to happen to Man United. But the question, can it happen? Yes, it can, if you're not careful.
1: There are strong reports, Pat, that Juan Mata could be signed by Manchester United, maybe for as much as £37 million. Can you see that happening?
2: Um, I wouldn't be absolutely gobsmacked by it, to be honest with you, even though he was Chelsea Player of the Year last season. I mean, I adore Juan Mata as a player, and, and Matt remembers the type of player I was. Sadly, um, not absolutely unlike one, but a style of player. I'm not saying it was good as him, but not unlike that style of player. So uh, obviously, I'm going to like him hugely as a footballer. But looking at his style and Chelsea's current style, I just can't see the fit. So what's the point of keeping a fantastic player? on board when he should a be playing football every week entertaining people every week and also getting himself into that spanish world cup squad so he probably would like to go somewhere to make sure that that absolutely happens i personally hope he doesn't go out of the battle League. i think we need to see players like him playing every week and i would be devastated if he went away over to spain that might suit chelsea best but if he goes to manchester united and i look at that team i think well he's made for manchester united but there is a problem Carga was there, and when Rooney plays in the 10th position, where do you play one matter? Because if you stick him out in the wing, that's not where he's at He's strongest. And he found that at Chelsea. So if David Moyes brings him in, he almost has to start building his team around him.
0: And Pat, you look at Mourinho, and you know he has the ego to allow these fantastic players to leave his football club. Has he got enough confidence in himself and his own team to allow them to join a serious rival?
2: You know, yeah, it's a big question. You're absolutely right, Mark. 100%. I've been watching it this season, and I have to say I didn't think that Moisey would come in for Mata. But I did think that maybe Spurs would. It looked to me a good fit for Spurs, but that would hurt Chelsea fans even more if he went to Tottenham Hotspur than he went to Manchester United. In the end, Mourinho has to get... We all know about financial fair play, so you have to make the best use of the monies that are available to you. If there's a player that's playing that you've got that's worth a lot of money, and you can get the money in for him, and then you can re- reuse that money elsewhere more suited to your squad, he will do it. And it doesn't matter. You have to leave sentiment behind. And I can tell you, although in his personal life he's very sentimental, and we found out that the other night when he was speaking to the sports journalist, in the life of the football manager, there is no sentiment. It is absolutely a cold, steel heart. And if that means that one matter has to go and it goes to his rivals, and that means that Jose Mninho can strengthen his side, trust me, he will do it.
1: Well, Mourinho became the fastest manager to reach 100 Barclays Premier League wins. It was just in 142 games. How significant is that, do you think, Pat?
2: You know, the most significant thing about it is it shows that he is an Anglophile. Um, I interviewed Josie about three weeks ago. I had an hour and a half with him and it's not an act. Hey, we've watched him act lots of things. We've watched even the personality being partly an act. But talking to him for that hour and a half, and it's the first time I've talked to him for six or seven years, And I'll tell you what, he adores A, English football and B, England. He absolutely loves it. So it will mean a huge amount to him that he's the quickest to do that. But much more on top of that, he is part of who we are. And it's a very, I mean, I don't call myself English, I'm British, I'm Scottish, but who we are as a kind of footballing type nation. And if you call him a foreign coach, he bristles. And then he'll, he'll maybe accept that he's halfway between the two. But he would love to be seen almost as a great British coach. And he has great admiration for a lot of the best British coaches, obviously Sir Alec Ferguson being the main one. But I look at him and I think, if he gets that sort of accolade, that he gets to 100 quicker than anyone else, others may shrug it off. But to him, I'll tell you what, it means a lot.
1: Well, just finally, Pat, we've been speaking about moments in the Barclays Premier League that demonstrate the spirit of the game. You've seen quite a lot in football. I mean, you play with Matt Jackson, for goodness sake. What does playing football in the right way, not like Matt, mean to you?
2: Actually, I hate to let you down there, Jackie. Matt was a perfect pro. Oh, (laughs) i sorry to do it. Just a bit floppy. No, a very, very, very good pro and a very, very good player as well and an adaptable player. Right, that's enough, Matt. I'm not giving you any more. Yeah, Uh, as it
0: was all lies, Patrick. I appreciate
2: that. No, in actual fact, it sometimes surprises kids these days. Now, I played in a slightly different era, but I played 800 professional games. I can tell you now, with the hand and heart and without even thinking about it for a moment, I never dived once. Now, youngsters look at you and think, what? Can you be serious? You attack-minded white player has never... Th- no, we didn't. Most of us didn't actually do that. It never crossed our mind. The idea was to try and stay on your feet. There was an art in riding a challenge. So I, I can always a wee bit disappointed that it's still in the game. And I think we can, as much as we possibly can, fight against it. Although I do have to admit that I once went slightly over the top. Right near the end of my playing career, I was playing in the Scottish Premier League. I happened to be player chief executive. And I was in the box dribbling around, as I often did, and I slipped and fell over. Nowhere near any other defender. He didn't put his foot in or anything. I saw the referee running towards the penalty spot, pointing at him. And I looked at him and I shouted, no, 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 I just slipped. That was very honourable, but I think my manager would have killed me if he would have caught me at that second. Maybe that was a wee bit too much.
1: (laughs) Well, Pat, thank you very much. We learned a lot today, particularly that Juan Mata is basically just a Pat Nevin tribute act. uh, (laughs) And plenty else besides. (laughs) Thank you, Pat. Pleasure. Well, Chelsea's next league game is West Ham at home. Then on February the 3rd, Manchester City away. What a big one that will be, because most people tipping one or the other for the title.
0: Yes, it will. And another test of the managerial credibility of Jose Mourinho. Obviously, he he loves himself as that tactical magician. He loves to go away and be really tight in those games. I'll expect them... And the thing he will take most pride in, we know how many goals City have scored at home. Averaging five a game, he will want to go and contain that and put in a really professional performance. And if he could sneak that one 1-0, that possibly would be one of his greatest managerial achievements going away from home.
1: There's not many of us that can remember a Chelsea-Manchester-United fixture where so few people fancied United to win it. And so it proved. So to United's free-scoring neighbours, Manchester City, who surpassed the magic 100-goal mark for the season in all competitions, seeing off a determined Cardiff City side 4-2 at the Etihad. So that's 103 goals now in 34 games so far this season. The quickest in the Barclays Premier League era. I mean, Can anybody stop them now? Well they
0: do lose games. That home record certainly looks pretty invincible. I think there are vulnerabilities away from home. They need to keep all the players fit but as an attacking force when you know you're going to be able to score that many goals it just gives the players so much confidence the defenders are happy just to let the forwards basically get on with it knowing that essentially they'll probably win games for them on their own.
1: Well let's hear from the City manager Manuel Pellegrini who's understandably pretty pleased with their goal scoring exploits.
3: To score 103 goals in this moment uh, from the season I think that that reflects what what the team wants, what the team uh, that the team has a really clear style of play, and we hope we can continue exactly what we are doing so far. So I suppose that in the future we can continue um, the same way.
1: Edin Dzeko scored that 100th goal and it was a bit of a landmark moment as well, wasn't it? It's the first time we've seen this new goal review system actually give a goal. Yes,
0: uh, and he would be pleased to have it chalked up to his name. We've seen it in the past where there have been really controversial moments. This wasn't so much one of them. and It certainly didn't determine the outcome of the game, but it, it is nice to get the
1: correct decision. You would hope it would have been given anyway, wouldn't you? But uh, nice to have that security. Well, Aguero came off the bench after his recent injury and Yaya Torre on the score sheet once again with their 14th and 11th Barclays Premier League goals respectively the goals could come from anywhere frankly couldn't they
0: well they could do an Aguero obviously just coming back from an injury which might benefit City in the long run he's effectively had a mid-season break so he's come back in fine form now refreshed rejuvenated and that clever rotation of a squad is, is what's going to really determine how many trophies City actually win this season.
1: Ah, talking of which, Matthew, there's been talk of City doing the quadruple this season and this is what defender Pablo Zabaleta makes of that.
0: Always when you are in a good
5: shape and then you just keep winning games, the expectation is really big and we need to keep uh, the feet on the ground. We have a chance in the full competition, that is true, but... We just need to be focused on what we're doing at the moment, continue to doing the same thing that we have done in in that season, and then we'll see at the end
0: if we win uh, one of them.
1: How much pressure is there on them now that people are starting to talk about the quadruple and the manager said that it's possible?
0: There's a pressure in that there's an expectation of all big clubs to perform. The quadruple doesn't bring a pressure because as a player, you approach every game as it comes. Yeah, they would love to do it. It would be an unbelievable achievement. It's very difficult to do when you have three cup competitions, one off games, knockout football. It's tough to guarantee you're going to win every single game there and they will be stretched, even with the squad and and the resources that they have, they will be stretched to the limit. Listen, they would love to win the Champions League, they would love to win the Barclays Premier League, and it would be a fantastic achievement if they could pick up two of those four trophies.
1: And some home fixtures in the FA Cup would uh, help them out considerably, given their form there. Well, as for Cardiff, the defeat drops them into the bottom of the table for the first time all season, but manager Ole Gunnar was proud of their efforts at the Etihad, despite being slow out of the blocks.
4: We were in the game until 15 minutes ago, and I was very pleased with the response of the lads after the bad start we had. That's got to change. We can't come here and just let them do what they want because we could have been three down after 10 minutes. So that mindset's got to change, definitely. Then we scored a terrific goal through Nuni. Uh, we had a, two or three other decent efforts. So I thought with 15 minutes to go and you're still in the game, you, you might have a chance here. Yeah. But then Yaya yeah, yeah, Toure is very hard to stop when he goes on them, them runs.
1: Five defeats in six games, now bottom of the table. And Manchester United away next, though so that's not the, the fixture it used to be in terms of the fear factor. But do you genuinely fear for them relegation wise?
0: You have to. You have to if they're bottom at this stage. I think there's been enough turmoil going on there. It's always difficult in that first season anyway to have a squad that can cope with the, the Barclays Premier League demands for a whole season. So, yes, worrying times. The situation with the owner is worrying, you know, as much as, as the off-field thing shouldn't really affect players. It has done that managerial change, and I think Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer will be a success in management for a long time to come. This is a big challenge for him.
1: Well, coming up, we'll be speaking exclusively to Norwich defender Russell Martin after their crucial victory at the weekend.
0: You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Jackie Oakley.
1: Well, still leading the way at the top of the table are Arsenal, who on Saturday made it five league wins in a row with a 2-0 home win over Fulham while I was at that match, Matt. And first half was pretty pedestrian, but they really stepped up the tempo in the second half and had to work hard for the points, but they fully deserved them in the end.
0: And it's a game they would expect to win, certainly with the quality that they have, the home fixture. Sometimes, if you're going to go and win titles, you just have to get these games out of the way. 2-0 looks fairly comfortable. We know it wasn't because of that tempo, but the sign of a good quality team is that they can have a few words from the manager at half-time, come out, produce a performance, win the game, move on to the next one, keep everyone intact and just keep moving on.
1: Well, the match winner on that day was midfielder Santi Cazorla, who scored a second-half brace, and manager Arsene Wenger was pretty pleased with the Spaniard's contribution.
0: In the second half, he got up a gear, and then uh, it was just a question of time, and Santi Cazorla gave her two goals today, you make, of course, everybody happy. Santi missed a big part of the season already, and it took him a while to get back to his best. But since mid-December, you could see that we have found Santi completely free in his ankle again, and then, uh, Is of course, a different player.
1: Yes, I was in Wenger there saying about how he scored only his second and third Barclays Premier League goals of the season. A little surprising for him, but he has had those injuries. What about Manchester City and Chelsea right on their tails? Because everybody seems to think that Arsenal are going to slip up, but they just haven't yet.
0: No, I think there's definitely a pressure upon them because they are the leaders. They've coped with it well up until now. They have big fixtures to come. They have to prove themselves against these top teams. But Arsenal previously have had the occasional slip-up at home to a side like Fulham. They don't look like they have that now. They've reached another level. They have superstars who are used to playing under great pressure. I think they're going to be right up there right to the end of the season.
1: As for Fulham, they were very well organised at the back and particularly in the first half when Arsenal simply took over. They couldn't prevent, though, a third defeat in four matches, which leaves them hovering precariously in 17th place. They had chances with the likes of Berbatov, who's been linked with a move to Arsenal, Sidwell, who'd scored three in a row before that, that game, and Bent, who's got a great scoring record as well, but they didn't take them, and that has been the story of their season. It has.
0: I'd seen the FA Cup tie in the midweek against Norwich, and I thought that would give them a confidence. It's a tough tie. You can play as well as you like going to someone like the Emirates, with a side with all those superstars, and not get anything out of the game. So this is one they certainly didn't embarrass themselves in, they can take something from the game in that there's a bit of a spirit there. Obviously, Renny Mullenstein going in is going to have a tactical difference to them. The way they spend money this January could be quite indicative of exactly how successful they're going to be for the rest of this season.
1: Well, another team struggling for form right now is Swansea, who went 3-1 down at home to Spurs on Sunday to make it eight league matches without a win. Well, their manager, Michael Loudrup, knows they need to pick up form and fast.
0: We just have to continue. We have to believe in what we're doing and believe that we will win this game that could give that extra confidence uh, because of course I think the players still play with confidence but it it is obvious when you play well but you don't win of course you you lack something and uh, the lack of that group confidence that we need and the only way we can get it is by winning
1: so Swansea then down to 15th in the table that puts them just three points above the relegation zone not too many people at the start of the season expected them to be in a relegation battle but can you see them going
0: I think they're in trouble and when you hear a manager talking about confidence and trying to sound almost falsely happy about the position that his team are in, you know that he will have concerns. And certainly, if they haven't had that expectation of being in a relegation scrap before, the Swansea players might be in a situation that is uncomfortable for them. They're not used to scrapping. They're used to playing good, neat, free-flowing football. If that's not now producing results, that does put a
1: bit of doubt in the mind. Well, as for Spurs, it was their fifth win in six league games under Tim Sherwood. And the new manager's been pretty happy with the contribution of two-goal hero Emmanuel Adebayor in recent weeks.
0: Obviously great for the football club and great for Addy himself. He's flying at the moment isn't he and he's, uh, he's enjoying his football he plays with a smile on his face and he's finding the back of the net we've got quality players yeah and um, these boys are, are flexible you know they know how to play and I thought in the second half especially in probably half hour of the first half that the fluidity amongst this team and the rotation and the movement was unstoppable
1: what do you think Andre Villas-Boas is thinking seeing this upturn in form and all these goals coming from Adebayor who he wouldn't pick
0: I think he'd be frustrated the best managers work to their methods Tim Sherwood has been great in a man-management perspective for me. To have got the reaction he's got from Adebayor, okay, it's easy to throw somebody in to say, look, you haven't played, now play for me, I think you're great he's done more than that. He's sustained it with this sort of praise, but he continues to get performances, and that is what management's all about.
1: Well, with that win, Spurs moved level on points with Liverpool in fourth place, as the Reds could only manage a two-all draw at home to Aston Villa. They went 2-0 down, though, of course, and is that a point gain for them, or two dropped? Do you see it?
0: Well, they'll see it as two dropped from the start of the game. Once you're 2-0 down, yes, you would take a point, but this is a hiccup for sure for Liverpool. But I like the fact they show a resilience. I like the fact that they can come back from that two down. Villa will be delighted with the point. They would have accepted a point going up to Anfield and they will be pretty pleased, although any time you feel you have a chance to win a game that maybe you're not necessarily expecting to, it can feel a little bit of a downer.
1: Well, the huge talking point of that match was the awarding of the second half penalty that led to the equaliser when Suarez went down under the challenge of Guzan. Was it a penalty in your eyes? It was.
0: As a defender and having played as a defender myself, you have a responsibility, and obviously i obviously include the goalkeepers in, in those defenders, you have a responsibility not to put yourselves in situations where referees have to make decisions that could go against you. I think there's contact, I think it's misguided the way that Guzan comes out, and I think there's enough in the challenge that it can become a penalty.
1: Well, let's hear from the scorer of that penalty, midfielder Stephen Gerrard, who admitted afterwards they were a little below par on Saturday.
0: I think looking at this fixture before
4: the game, we see it as two points dropped, but I think the way Aston Villa played, I think they deserved the point. I think the problem today and the reason why the fans will be so disappointed is because our home form's been immaculate and we've almost spoiled the supporters so they'll probably see this as a disappointing result but I think hopefully this point could be uh, important for us at the end of the season so no, no time to panic and you know we keep going and keep fighting for fourth.
1: Well that point moves Villa into the top half of the table and means that they've lost just once in the last five Barclays Premier League visits to Anfield and their manager Paul Lambert was delighted with the all-round team performance.
4: I thought we were outstanding, I thought the first half we should have been out of sight. I thought she'd been maybe three at least anyway but the way we played the game was absolutely fantastic. Terrific performance, big, big performances. I thought Benteke was back to his old self. I thought he was outstanding. I thought Bertrand was absolutely fantastic. Vlar looked fantastic. So there's big performances there and um, we looked a threat the whole game.
1: Well, judging from the post-match interviews of the Liverpool players and manager, it seemed that Villa surprised Liverpool in, in how strong they were.
0: I watched the game and the way that Villa started was phenomenal. Hitting the post very early on, first minute, and seemed to set the tone for a performance. And again, you have to give credit for a manager for that, to have his, his side ready and prepared. Because it is intimidating. You walk out at Anfield, it's still intimidating. Uh, Liverpool side, certainly with the firepower they have this season it's a difficult place to go so to do that and got themselves into the game and got that lead I know it would be disappointed but I understand as well why Paul Lambert's upbeat and he's getting his best player back into form now which could be a real bonus for the second part of the season
1: I hope for other sides going to Anfield as well this season well coming up we'll be focusing on the bottom end of the table and speaking exclusively to the Norwich City defender Russell Martin Now, Barclays have been running the Barclays Twitter ticket competition for you, the fans, over the past couple of months, where you can win tickets to a match involving your club simply by telling us why you are football. Let's take a look now at some of the winning entries we've had so far. Chelsea fan Michael Poole says, To be a true fan requires the living the experience of football. It's not about being a mere spectator. It's about being a participant. Norwich fan John Reed says, I woke up on match days feeling like a child on Christmas Day, full of optimism, energy and ready to sing up. And Southampton fan Louise Seaman has been busy. Hashtag Mum's Taxi, she says. One evening I have under-12s, Saturday morning it's under-10s and under-12s training, and on Sunday I have three matches to attend. But best of all is Saturday 3pm at Southampton. Hashtag YouAreFootball. Were you ever a dad's taxi, Matt? Uh, not a
0: dad's taxi for football, but I was uh, the driver of a seven-and-a-half-ton horse wagon as my... Two kids went round to various Gymkhana's. So, yeah, that was my downtime.
1: Jumpers for goalposts are a lot cheaper. Well, to have a chance of winning tickets to watch your club, tweet why you are football to at Barclays with a Y using the hashtag you are football. Or you can post it to the Barclays football Facebook page. Now, before we get back to the weekend's action, we're going to ask now, what makes a woman want to be a referee in football? It remains one of the most male-dominated bastions of sport. Well, we sent Barclays reporter Nick Moore to the West Midlands to investigate.
5: What makes a woman want to be the man in black? There are only 853 active female referees registered with the FA, and they are officiating throughout England largely at grassroots level. We're here today to meet one of these revolutionaries in Walsall. We're meeting West Midlands PE teacher Debbie Rooms, who's 40 years of age, and she's going to tell us what it's like. During the week, she keeps little boys from misbehaving as a school teacher, but on the weekend, she makes sure that the big lads don't step out of line. Okay, gentlemen,
3: over here to play football for tomorrow. I do like to keep the game flowing, so work with me to work with your players, let them know what's going on. Home team, do you want to give a toss please? Give a shout once in the air to Dan? Head cities. So stay as you are and it's your kick, gentlemen. Have a good game.
0: Enjoy
3: enjoy it. I was brought up on football. I played as a youngster and I coached and obviously then going into sport and into PE. um, The only thing I hadn't done was refereeing. Back then I was living in Cambridge in my county, persuading me to come and do the rest course and eventually I gave up and said, yes, I'll come and never looked back. Why do you
5: think it's a route that so few women have taken?
3: I think maybe opportunities might not come their way. They might not um, be aware of the courses that are run. Um, I know some counties are now doing female-only courses to try and attract the women and I think a lot of counties now are retaining women a lot of them do the course, but they don't actually get out there and referee. But I think when you've got, um, you know, you're seeing females like Sean Massey on the... Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good role models out there now.
5: What do you enjoy about refereeing? What, what side of it is it that you like?
3: I think just being involved in the game. I love yeah. football, and it doesn't matter whether I'm watching it, playing it, coaching. Um, I like being involved, and particularly refereeing now, you know. I don't play anymore. I've come to the end of my career. So I'm reffing at a higher level than I would have been playing at. Come on, then, Head time.
5: Come on. OK, I'm here with Luke James and Joseph Rowley, today's linesman, and uh, how do you think it went today? How was the game?
4: Yeah, it was really good, affair. fair. Debbie controlled it very well, went perfect. Uh, yeah, she clamped down on tackles when needs to be, have words with players and went good with the game, yeah.
5: Is it the first time you've worked with a, a female referee? I've worked
4: with Debbie before on a game and she's been on the line for me, she's good then, and I've seen her in the middle today and she's impressed me. Do
5: you think there's any difference? Do you ever see any, were there any other comments made or anything like that about a, a female
4: referee? Same as uh, Manchester is a good ref like that. There's no difference at
5: all. How do you feel the game just went, uh, Debbie?
3: Yeah, I think it went very well. Um, I enjoyed it, and I think generally the players enjoyed it as well.
5: Would you have any any tips for any young uh, young girls out there considering becoming referees?
3: Just be confident. You know, with your decisions, you're not going to get every single one right but it's how you sell it, and that can help with your body position and being close to the incident, and also try and talk to the players and try and man- manage it yourself. You know, sometimes we are all right, sometimes we do get it wrong, but it's just how you, you move on from that. It's
1: all over him, ref. Have you ever been officiated by a female in football? Uh, I
0: think so, and I say that in in a positive sense, in that it's irrelevant, really, and I certainly don't remember an outstanding performance one way or the other, good or bad. So, yes, I'm sure I have been, and it's fantastic to see how it's growing. I mean, women's football, in general, is growing anyway, and and the fact that the official side of things is growing as well is only going to be a part of that.
1: It's probably from a female official's point of view as well. You, You don't want to be judged on your gender. You want to be judged on your decisions in the same way that the men are.
0: And it would be fantastic to get to a situation where it's not even a newsworthy story that that's the situation. And there's no reason why that can't be. The competence obviously can't be uh, questioned at all. Fitness level's now not an issue either, so... No, it'd be fantastic to see the growth of uh, women officiating at the very highest levels of the game.
1: Not least, because simply they need more officials.
0: Well, yeah, but good ones, and i say that's where the gender becomes irrelevant. Just keep the quality as high as possible.
1: By the way, there are some great photos of Nick Moore's day out at Walsall visiting referee Debbie Rooms on the Barclays football Facebook page. I'm here with Matt Jackson as we continue to look back at the weekend's action and we head off to the Hawthorns next, where West Brom's new manager, Pepe Mel, started his reign at the club with a solid one-all draw, having come from behind against an inform Everton side. Well, it's pretty much all Everton in the early stages. They did really well first half, Matt, but they be kicking themselves now for not having taken those chances.
0: They will be. I think it's probably a sign of where they find themselves in that they can... Take the lead in a game. They weren't at their best. They didn't keep the ball very well. But alluded to that in his interview afterwards where he talked about them being a little bit sloppy at times in possession. Roberto, being Roberto, puts his normal positive spin on it. It wasn't an easy game for Everton. It's, it's tough to go to the Hawthorns. It's a fantastic atmosphere for evening games. And this is a point gained for them and a decent start for Pepe Mel as well. He'll be pleased not to have lost on his uh, first West Bromwich Albion appearance as manager.
1: Well, let's hear from the new man in charge of the Hawthorns, who has asked what his first impressions were of his new squad.
2: It's only the, the first week I need to work. I need uh, my players, uh, but uh, the players are angry. For me, it's important. I think uh, the team is uh, very well, but Shaylon is out. I need um, the one striker more. But uh, Anicebe, Anelka, Vidra, Jira, I happy.
1: Very impressive that he spoke English in his first post-match press conference. I don't think we're expecting that, bearing in mind Pochettino's been here a good few months and still hasn't done that.
0: He's been positive. He's got a fantastically run club there. They've got a really good model at West Bromwich Albion. They'll be very supportive of him. The fact that Shane Long's gone out, yes, he's lost a good player, but he's got some funds in that he'll be able to spend to start shaping his team the way he wants to. And he'll just enjoy getting on the coaching pitch passing on these ideas and trying to improve that squad.
1: Well, that draw for Everton keeps them in sixth place and midfielder Gareth Barry knows that they need to get more wins on the board to challenge for those Champions League spots.
4: If we're going to finish in the top four, we need to turn some of these draws into to three points. I think that's nine draws and that's probably too many, but, you know, we've not lost many. If we, if we keep showing the form we have uh, from the start of the season, there's every chance we'll be right up there.
1: What chance is there that they'll be in the top four at the end of the season?
0: There's a chance, again, this January might shape exactly what happens for them. Lukaku's form... Will need to improve. He was a big signing for them, but he's been a little bit stilted in some games. And for Everton, with the squad that they've had, with where that they've come from, the people that they're challenging, you have to have your best players all to have fantastic seasons.
1: Well, they've got a couple out injured now. Seamus Coleman looked to have picked up a hamstring injury and Leon Osman is also on the sidelines. We move on to Carrow Road next, where Norwich recorded a crucial first win in seven matches, seeing off Hull City 1-0, thanks to a late Ryan Bennett header. Playing in that tense match was the Norwich City captain and Scotland international, Russell Martin. And he joins me now. Hi, Russell. Good morning. It was a very, very late winner, wasn't it? Just give us an example of what the atmosphere was after that goal was scored.
4: Well, obviously, the boys were all elated, extremely pleased. It was a long time coming. and I felt we deserved to win. The longer the game went on, we thought we might not be able to squeeze that goal, but we did. And there was a bit of relief there as well because the atmosphere had been pretty tense inside the stadium up until then as well. It was well documented. We hadn't had a win for a while. So um, once Benno put the ball in the top corner, good Heather and the boys, I think he showed in our celebration. We all got in a huddle and celebrated together and made sure that we saw it through and and enjoyed it.
1: It was your first home victory, wasn't it, in the league since November. Moves you up to 12th. Does it feel like your biggest win of the season so far?
4: They're all big in this league. It just felt like one that we needed to win just to um, quieten down a few people that have said negative stuff about us recently and also just to prove to people that the team spirit is still there and that everyone's 100% behind the manager because we've taken some flack recently and at times rightly so for some of our performances but we felt since the turn of the year the performances have been good and we haven't quite got the results that we perhaps uh, felt we deserved but Saturday I think we were deserved winners and hopefully that gives us something to build on now
1: yeah, You suggest that you've had some maybe unfair criticism where's that come from? Has it been media I local or I've... national or, yeah, I just or who? I think it
4: comes from the two previous seasons we've had a good season expectation levels rise we've made some good signings. we've spent a lot of money for a club like ours. I guess with that, extra pressure comes and, and like I said, extra expectation from, you know, not just our fans and our staff and everyone but in the media and, and the press and people like that. But we've got a real tight-knit squad, we've got a really good team spirit. We spoke about that the last two or three years. It's what our success has been based on really and that hasn't been lost of all the signs we've made and that's still really strong and um, like I said Saturday hopefully goes some way to proving that.
1: Yeah and you suggest also that the manager Chris Hewton has come under a lot of pressure hasn't he? How important was it for you to get the win to take the pressure off him and to prove that kind of solidarity?
4: Yeah like I said it was really important for everyone not just the manager Every manager in the league is under pressure after a couple of bad results. But we felt for the manager, like I said, he's been getting some flack when it's us who steps over that white line and puts in the performances. So we owed him that one and we're glad we won the game. And like I said, it shows everyone together at the club. But um, it's a tough, tough league and it's been real tight for a long, long time. And I think it's going to be like that to the end of the season. But for us, there's been no real crisis. Like I said, we've been playing really well at times and not putting the ball in the back of the net enough. Thankfully, we did that on Saturday. And like I said, hopefully now the confidence will start rising again and everyone will be behind us and we can kick on from there.
1: Well, it's been a, a nervy time for the fans, hasn't it? I mean, you left it late at the weekend to get that win, and you talk about the relief, but how important is it that they stay with you and remain positive and transmit those vibes to you?
4: We're fortunate, really. We've got a great set of fans. They get behind the team and they're, they're also, you know, I think they're pretty realistic in what a club like ours... You know, what to expect. We want to improve year on year. There's no doubt about that. But it does get tougher every year as well. Look at the money people have spent, the teams that have come into the league. They've all financially been backed really well. And the teams, obviously, that stayed up last year with us, they've obviously kicked on and strengthened as well. But so have we. And like I said, the club's been fortunate to have so much success over the last three or four years. And when the times are tough as well, we have to stick together. And that's just the squad and fans and everyone. Fortunately, so far, that's been the case. They've been right behind us. And hopefully Saturday now will give everyone a bit of momentum and go on from there.
1: It's incredibly tight in the bottom half of the table, isn't it? Just six points separating the bottom 11 teams.
4: It makes it really interesting, the top and the bottom half, really, for any neutral watching. It's going to be exciting for the fans, but like I said, as long as we stay at the top of that, mini-league almost, you know, that top of that bottom half, and we'll be fine. And we've been there so far most of the season. It's up to us just to stay there and and beat the teams around us and hopefully pick up some points off the top boys as well.
1: Well, finally, Russell, you've been in football for over 10 years now. You've worked your way up from the lower leagues with the likes of Wickham and Peterborough. Is there anybody that you'd like to thank in football, someone who's helped you to get to where you are now?
4: Well, there's a few I'd like to thank. But I think the main one who I'm still in touch with now is probably I mean, Tony Adams played me a few times when I was a young lad at Wickham, but one who gave me my real breakthrough and real chance was uh, John Gorman. He was brilliant for me and played me in a lot of positions when I was younger and, and really helped me learn the game. Like I said, I'm still in touch with him now. He's such a great guy, a really nice fellow. And a big thanks to him. And then, obviously, Paul Lambert as well. So, them two would please stand at once for me, definitely.
1: Russell Martin, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Have a good day. So, Russell Martin talking about what a huge victory that was for Norwich over Hull City. And do you see them, your old side, struggling this season still? Or do you think that'll help them to kick on and pull away from danger?
0: It was a massive win. Great when you win a game late on as well like that. I'd seen the game, the FA Cup game at Fulham in the midweek and they were absolutely abject, lost 3-0. So for Chris Hughton and his management team to turn them round in that short space of time and get this result, it's absolutely huge for them.
1: As for Hull City, they seem to have had a very good season so far but they've now gone and lost the last three and only above Norwich on goal difference. So just shows how quickly these things can turn.
0: It's incredible because you would say that Hull have been excellent all season and Norwich have been pretty average And yet, as you say, the table reflects the fact that they're so close together. The worry for Hull is the fact that they've been fine, they've been great, they've put in some fantastic performances. You don't worry about relegation when things are like that. Now those players and the management team are starting to think about them. That really can change your outlook on your approach to games.
1: Well, a positive for them is that they made a double signing up front in Jelovic and Long, so they'll be hoping that they can start scoring fairly soon. While another team to record a crucial home victory on Saturday was Crystal Palace. They edged out Stoke City 1-0 at Selhurst Park to move off the bottom of the table and up to 16th. So they're Out of the relegation zone, Matt, and Tony Pulis is doing what a lot of people did expect Tony Pulis to do, make them solid and and less easy to beat.
0: People are talking about it being miraculous. Actually, what Tony's done is work to his strengths. That organisation you talk about are the basics of football, get your defenders defending in the right way, keep your team compact, be good at set pieces, defend well grab a goal when you can. They are the basics. Very often, other teams don't have to worry so much because they've got flair players, outstanding world-class players that can win games on their own. For a team like Crystal Palace, you have to have a discipline put into you from the start.
1: Well, that was their fourth win in ten matches. Let's hear now from the uh, Palace manager, who was humbled by the reception he received from his former Stoke fans.
4: You don't get that very often in football today or in sport. So, obviously, it's lovely that the supporters have been like that. It was a wonderful ten years there. You know, I've got um, fantastic memories. It's a lovely place. Met a load of lovely people. You know, my girls were here today. They were Stoke City supporters for 10 years. So, you know, it's difficult for everybody.
1: It was a lovely reaction that he got from the Stoke City supporters. Were you surprised at all, bearing in mind he was in the opposite dugout?
0: Surprised in the fact that once you've left, very often you've left, but certainly Stoke fans are well-educated and they know the contribution that he made to that club. Again, it's a it's a very well-run club, but he certainly made the most of the resources that were available to him. Gave Stoke an identity, which wasn't always necessarily the most popular, but it was certainly a effective and and the spirit he got into his teams, the organisation, is now being reflected in the performances that the Palace players are giving him.
1: As for Stoke, it was their fourth defeat in the last five league matches and leaves them just four points above the relegation zone. It was also their eighth defeat in total on the road this season, which is the worst in the league. Now, we know that Mark Hughes is in transition. He wants his side to change the way they play. Is he doing it perhaps too quickly or, or why do you think it's not working?
0: I think probably he doesn't have the individuals he would wish to have in to play that way. He has to adapt himself. He has to get his players to change quickly. He has to be quite focused in the message that he's getting across to those players, and he will have the opportunity to strengthen as well. Why January is so important for clubs, they have to spend the money wisely. You know they're quite prudent with their finances there at Stoke, but they are in transition. They have had one or two key injuries as well, which doesn't help them. But they have to come out of this period uh, quite quickly.
1: Well, the Saturday lunchtime game saw Sunderland bounce back from two goals down to snatch a crucial point against Southampton at the Stadium of Light. Black Cats manager Gus Poyet was pleased with the spirit. Show. By his players,
3: people probably say, "Well, they won three in a row. Now it's time to lose." Overall, we need
2: to take um, the positive of the game, the reaction, the belief of the players, the character, the subs coming on and changing the game, and that uh, happiness in the dressing room. You know, they were the players; they were okay, but they were not delighted because they know that we we needed the three points. But we keep adding, so let's hope that we can win the next.
1: Adam Johnson scored the late equaliser there, meaning he's now scored or assisted Sunderland's last six league goals, following on, of course, from that fantastic win at Fulham. But it was a little surprisingly slow start for them, wasn't it, Matt, bearing in mind that Fulham match, and you'd have thought that would buoyed them up a little bit more.
0: Did it buoy them up to become complacent? You know, you look at a Southampton, yes, they've had a great season themselves, they've got some fantastic young players, but it's a fixture as a player you would fancy in a home time. You have to start well. Sides with good players will punish you. Southampton certainly did that. They'll be disappointed not to have gone on to claim that victory. Certainly a long journey for them. But Sunderland's shown a certain resilience now under Gus Poyet, and this is a, a good point for them in the end.
1: Well, it was a tumultuous week for Southampton after the chairman, Nicola Cortese, resigned last Thursday. Do you think perhaps in some way that might have affected the players or the management? Because there was a lot of talk about them in the media.
0: I think it might well have affected the manager, but that won't have been reflected in the team. You're far enough removed as a player that that doesn't generally have an effect. So no, I think think they would be professional enough to get themselves sorted properly. It will be interesting long-term to see how Pochettino's future uh, pans out.
1: Well, exactly. He said that he's going to stay now, presumably till the end of the season, but then it's still very much up in the air and those players will know that their manager could well be gone by the end of the season.
0: And that's something Southampton at board level have to be right on top of because once players feel like a manager... Isn't going to be there or has lost maybe a bit of his power or his hold, that can be a dangerous thing. Sometimes it's a subconscious thing that players just switch off two, five percent, but that's the difference between great performances and average performances.
1: Well, Southampton now ninth in the Barclays Premier League table. We'll round off the weekend's matches at Upton Park, where West Ham went down to their sixth home defeat of the season, losing 3 1 to Newcastle, which drops them back into the bottom three. At the expense of Crystal Palace, so another worrying home defeat with so much going wrong there at West Ham.
0: Yes, amazing troubles. The support that they've shown at board level to Sam Allardyce has been good and positive and commendable, for sure. It's a difficult situation for Sam to come back from. He's a fighter he gets his sides organised, but you always feel with West Ham and their fans, that they have an expectation that being organised and effective isn't as good as being flamboyant and playing with a certain flair in that West Ham style, so there is a demand, sometimes a bit of a false demand upon the team, there's definitely a pressure playing at home and I think that was reflected in this result.
1: Well Andy Carroll again came on as a late sub and manager Sam Allardyce insists they won't rush the big centre forward back into action.
0: It's the medical side that role on how we get Andy Carroll back fit and playing, and my decision and by their medical process and say, you risk any more than that, you risk this lad getting injured again. Is that what we want? It's our biggest major asset that we've signed and we want him on the pitch playing every week and we have to do that slowly. Irrespective of how desperate it gets, it's more about making sure Andy stays fit for the rest of this season to try and help get us some results than it is to try and risk him for an extra 15 minutes and get him injured again.
1: Well, they've clearly struggled without Andy Carroll all season and, and he's been the player everybody's been talking about and he hasn't even played a game and now they're talking about not playing him too much now because of injury. It's all about one player and surely that's the nub of the issue.
0: Correct. Absolutely. Hits it on the head. And the fact that you have to worry about an injured player and how much you can play him in a game, really, you're either fit or you're not fit. You can't wrap them up in cotton wool. You have to unleash them at some point. They're desperate to unleash him. They need him on the pitch. They need him as that talismanic figure. He's never been a great goal scorer, bear in mind. You know, yes, he can occupy back fours, but he's not a fantastic goal scorer. But there's an awful lot of players have to up their standards at West Ham as
3: well.
1: Well, as for Carroll's old club, Newcastle, that win halted a run of three straight defeats and was inspired by their two-goal hero, Johan Kabai.
3: The goal conceded just before the, the halftime put us under pressure for the second half, and then they came on Carroll And uh, yeah, of course it was uh, it was hard, tough, but we are happy to to win the game. We knew uh, it's a tough place here, so. Uh, we were uh, focused and uh, uh, determined to to get something.
1: So another match-winning performance there from the Frenchman, Kabay But could he be on his way this month? He's been linked with the likes of PSG, with Manchester United, who could certainly do with him.
0: Well, his performances probably deserve a move. He's had a great football club, and the best football clubs don't let the players go in January unless it's for an awful lot of money. But what he is, is proven at Barclays Premier League level now, and that gives you a real credibility. He can win games on his own, He's fantastic at set pieces. So, yes, he will be a valuable asset to many clubs.
1: Another Frenchman, Loic Remy, has had a fantastic season for them got himself back into the goals as well in this match.
0: And they've got the blend right again at Newcastle. The French issue raised its head a little bit in trying to get the blend right with the Toon Army's expectations. Now, those issues have all gone away. The performances are good. I think those players have adapted really well to the demands. And there's a good blend up there.
1: Well, there are no Barclays Premier League fixtures this weekend due to the FA Cup fourth round ties. So let's have a look now at some of those ties which are involving the Barclays Premier League sides. We have Arsenal versus Coventry on Friday. Liverpool away to Bournemouth. There's a fascinating one, Sunderland versus non-league Kidderminster. Stevenage of League One against Everton. And there's one all-Barclays Premier League match, just the one... Chelsea versus Stoke, which one stands out for you?
0: Cup football is still about upset, so Kidderminster, do they fancy their chances of going up to the Stadium of Lights? Probably not, but it'll be a fantastic time for them up there. And Liverpool have a tricky trip away to Bournemouth, and Stevenage will certainly make it difficult for Everton, so those three, for us, an upset, quite possible.
1: Well, we know how crucial every point is in the Barclays' Premier League season, so in terms of the players, how will they be able to marry up the importance of the Cup with the league?
0: Well, sometimes it does give you a nice break. You can just go out and enjoy the game. It's, it's not necessarily that important was fortunate enough to win the FA Cup and I know how proud a moment that is to, to stand there at Wembley with a winner's medal. So the players certainly can't look past that and they would all you know love to do that at the end of May. But yes the Barclays Premier League is their priority and those three points any time you're playing a fixture in the Barclays Premier League
1: is vitally important. We knew you wouldn't let us get through this podcast without mentioning the fact that you Matt Jackson are an FA Cup winner.
0: Single handedly.
1: <laughs> it I was right all hard. about you. It was all about you. Why don't you tweet us your weekend predictions here at, at Barclays footy with a Well, thanks very much for your company, FA Cup winner Matt Jackson. Before we go, have a try at this week's trivia teaser. Samuel Eto'o is only the fourth player to score a Barclays Premier League hat-trick against Manchester United. Can you name the other three? If you think you know the answer, tweet it to at or post it on the Barclays Football Facebook page and we'll reveal the answer on the site later on in the week. We'll be back next week with two special guests, former Chelsea and Everton midfielder Graham Stewart as well as football journalist and broadcaster Paddy Barclay. So make sure you join us for that. But until then, from Matt Jackson and from me, Jackie Oatley, goodbye.
5: You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays.